0: Good morning, Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. I'm one of the hosts here, Charles Chuck Thompson, with me as always, the one who knows just about everything there is to know when it comes to Japanese culture, my Asian friend, <laughs> Mr. Nathaniel Paul Thurston.
1: Konnichiwa. <laughs> How are you doing today, man? I didn't even know you knew. You know, some people actually decided to argue. I made the joke on Twitter that I was Asian and I allowed what the judge said that it it was okay. You know, that I could speak. And they took me seriously on that. Like, oh, as you're saying, all Asians think alike. I was like, obviously. Yeah. We all, yeah. And they're like, well, you better be careful there. You know, your, your biases are showing or your prejudice are showing. I'm like, no, I literally just talked to everyone. It's all good. (laughs) Yeah. I just tried to keep going. Eventually, I think they figured out that I was trying to see how many times they would respond, trying to tell me how bad of a person I was.
0: Yeah, I don't know. They figured it out. Anyway. They were trying to tell you how more Asian to be. than yes. what you actually are. I was like, you're, you're, what you're invalidating my feelings. What's uh what's the? So if you're a black person who doesn't agree with the woke, then you're an Uncle Tom. Mm-hmm. What is it if you're an Asian that doesn't agree with the uh, Uncle Toe? Uncle Tao. <laughs> Uncle
1: Tao, sorry. So. That's way Uncle better. So.
0: Hey. Um, General uh, Sal. Let's try.
1: <laughs> let's try and get canceled today. Why don't we? Let's just do that. This is Good Morning Liberty. This is a Good Morning Liberty. <laughs> this is the Good Morning oh my God. <laughs> Liberty Podcast. If you're not watching live or commenting in the chat section. You're missing out. Uh, you are real. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> there are things uh, that we just, I said we were going to try and get canceled, but there are things that we just simply won't say yeah. out loud on the podcast, so you have to be there to see them in the chat, so you can the see. The only reason
0: we, can, we would get canceled, though, is for, for my... Your people. My white privilege. Not my people, though. Not, no. 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 Mine you, are all okay with it, as we just talked about. Right. Yeah. You have enough mixture to be mm-hmm. fine. It's me. I'm tall. <laughs> I'm... So much privilege.
1: Yeah. You're a straight white male who's six, seven, and three quarters ish. You've got all the advantages in the world yep. that there are. Okay, we uh we have some good stuff to get in today. We are actually going to talk about the steel dossier a little bit. Something that we really haven't talked about very much. And we talked about how maybe it sounded like it was BS for a little bit, I guess. Well, I can officially issue some opinions on it now that some things are coming out about it. We're also going to talk just a little bit, this article that Charlie sent over um, about the energy crisis and how sometimes trying to solve a problem can have really bad negative side effects that maybe you didn't see coming, possibly, or maybe you did. I don't know. Maybe Maybe you told the whole world about them. Yeah, possibly. Um, Fee wrote the article I've been waiting for, which is why rapid COVID tests in the USA are hard to find. We've been talking a lot about COVID tests over the years and how it would have really changed things if we would have had more availability in the testing. And China is finally doing something that has CNN upset about government power. What? This is a hell of a show, man. I know.
0: Russia Gate, China. Yeah. We got steel dossiers. We got energy crisis.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This and is a
0: hell of a packed show. The
1: European court is upholding a $2.8 billion dollar fine against Google because they put preference on the, uh, their search results on businesses that they owned. Google got a $2.8 billion dollar fine for disadvantaging the other businesses somehow. 2.8 $2. billion dollars. Jesus. Yeah, they'd already done this fine and Google was fighting it and they said, no, you gotta pay it. Because we want the money. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's really what it comes down to. But first, make sure you go to goodmorningliberty.locals.com and join for as little as five bucks a month so you can support Liberty and hang out live with us every day of the week when we want to. Let's talk about this steel dossier. You guys ever heard of it? Mm -mm. You guys ever heard about the Russia, Russia Gate thing? Remember that guy that used to be the president before this one? Yeah, Um, way back when. The guy that used to be the president. Uh, Well, he was obviously a Russian plant. He had worked with the government of Russia. And we all knew this if you watched the proper media outlets that you knew. Yeah, he was with Moscow. Yeah. Well, this comes from the Washington Post and this is a few days old but then I saw people taking Russell Brand to task for being a uh, right-wing conspiracy theorist for talking about this stuff. So let's get a little bit of detail here from the Washington Post. The indictment of steel dossier source is more bad news for multiple media outlets and this goes along with what we talk about a lot which is you just can't trust the media. I'm actually surprised this is happening. I know. To be honest with you, even ABC released the statement saying
0: that they were going to look into it mm. after all of this. I'm glad. I'm glad they're going to look. In 2017, they're going to say, look at this and look at that. Well, would you look at this? Just look at this. Would you look at it? Where is Steele? I wish I could look at him.
1: In 2017, <laughs> well, you MSNBC. They got me running <laughs> all around D.C. Look at this. <laughs> MSNBC host Rachel Maddow aired a special report on the Trump-Russia dossier compiled by former British, British and also British intelligence officer Christopher Steele. That document claimed Maddow relied on information coming from Steele's deep cover sources inside Russia. Mm. A federal indictment unsealed Thursday, now this is a little bit old on the uh, when this actually happened, has something to say about the quality of those sources. It charges Igor Danchenko... The dossier's primary intelligence collector with making false statements to the FBI about his interactions with sources consulted for the dossier. Imagine that. How about that? The Denchenko indictment doubles as a critique as of several media outlets that covered Steele's reports in 2016 and after its publication by BuzzFeed. You got CNN, MSNBC, Mother Jones, all of the left-leaning media outlets, of course, ran with this forever. And it was okay to blame the election on Russia Gate, and, of course, say that Trump only won because of Russia. That was fine. That was totally fine
0: for, they a, also, for a long time. They also, not just the media, our Congress impeached a president over this. <laughs> he did. Literally. Well,
1: they did the Ukraine thing that they impeached them over and then they impe- impeached them again. And so the indictment provides further insight into why FBI had concluded that the dossier was mostly a jumble of claims that were inaccurate, unconfirmed insubordinate, churlish, or already publicly reported. It's going to be a fun episode, I can already uh-huh. tell. Um, so this is from the Washington Post, still. Uh, this is from the WAPO. The indictment traces at least one allegation in the dossier directly to exchanges that Danchenko had with Charles Dolan, who is a longtime Democrat oper- operative. Dolan told Danchenko that he had drinks with a Republican friend and found some juicy details <laughs> while he was having drinks with this guy.
0: Okay. Listen, Charles.
1: This is still from the WAPO. The dossier was funded by the Clinton campaign and the Democratic National Committee via research group Fusion GPS. Yet here was a career Democrat feeding information to its primary collector. So that seems a little weird. It gets even more embarrassing. The indictment alleges that Dolan, that was the Democratic operative, fabricated... The fact of the meeting, meaning that, you know, that meeting where he had drinks and got some juicy details about Mr. Mm -hmm. Trump over there. Well, turns out the meeting didn't even happen. He was making stuff up and then telling this guy Danchenko and uh, the thing never even happened. Okay, In the words of the indictment, he pieced together the gossip from news sources. Didn't actually have the meeting okay which is why they all ran with it it came from yeah. them <laughs> we know we double checked this thing we yeah. check the whole circle and it turns out to be true another key claim in the indictment release uh, relates to an alleged dossier source identified as chamber president one also known as sergey <coughs> Milian, former president of the russian american chamber of commerce the key claim from the dossier originated from Millian. All right, so they, this is also where Danchenko got stuff from Million, right? There's a lot of things you got to go through here. There's a lot of stuff happening. We're just doing a brief overview. Millian shared some tantalizing claims about Donald Trump, namely that he had a long-standing relationship with Russian officials, and those officials were now feeding Trump damaging information about his Democratic opponent, Hillary Clinton. Another claim is that Trump allegedly participating uh, in the activity at the—so there, there was a thing where they said he was peeing on a bed in mm-hmm. Russia, Okay. Listen to R Kelly and just peeing out of bed in Russia that the uh, bom- uh, Obamas at once uh, slept in. That it was, was like, one of the stories. It was some prostitutes. The Danchenko indictment, however, claims that Danchenko never spoke to Millian and that his claims of a phone call were fabricated. That, that's particularly troublesome to some fans of the dossier because Steele believed that Danchenko had direct contact with Millian. It turns out he didn't. I mean, he was in deep covert operations. very man. deep undercover, all right? The Wall Street Journal on Friday published a story noting that the indictment contradicted the newspaper's original reporting. They did publish a story saying that this new thing contradicts. They said we will continue to follow the Danchenko case closely and report updates as they develop. Wapo says the indictment raises new questions about whether Sergei Milliam was a source for the Steele dossier, as the Post recorded uh, reported in 2017. We are continuing to report on the origins and ramifications of the document. ABC News issued a statement saying we are reviewing this in light of new developments. (laughs) Now here comes the giant campaign to save face. And in the new effort by news outlets to verify their sources on the dossier, if it doesn't verify the sources, if it doesn't produce enough evidence to disprove the allegations in the indictment, that's saying that everything was false, there's only one option retract the stories that's what this writer for the washington post is saying. allowing one version of events to sit awkwardly alongside another and leaving it to the reader to decide won't cut it on her thursday night program maddow cast the danchenko in, indictment in political terms wondering whether the goal of durham that's the person who's prosecuting of durham's work is to try to discredit the whole russia investigation by arresting various sources for that investigation so she's now claiming that this is a witch hunt by durham yeah,
0: the, the, she's so sure. I'm just trying to discredit it. Yeah, that this is all this is a ploy mm-hmm. by the Biden administration to undo the, the DNC's work.
1: Yeah, and the what actually ended up drawing me into talking about this was people started so Russell Brand, who d- has some great videos on YouTube, he covers a lot of this stuff. You guys have heard of him before, I'm sure. Well, he did a video talking about how it turns out Trump was right. He even went so far as to say that basically we know that the Russia investigation, the Russia hoax, was actually Hillary Clinton trying to create this thing to make Trump look bad. So he went as far as to say that. I don't know that we have specific proof that that's what occurred, but looking at the incentive structure surrounding the entire case, that does actually look to be the fact. Yeah. And we've not said that before, but now with all the indictments coming through and hearing that all the stuff was made up, um, it's starting to look like this was, in fact, a Russia hoax, witch hunt for former President Donald Trump. That is what this looks like. And the really, the big thing is, look how long the media ran with this. Look how sure they were about it. All the way up into impeachment. There are still, still people, a lot of people find people on both sides that are going to go to the grave believing that everything is still true. Or they inside went to the thing. grave already. Yeah, or they're all, they already went to the grave yeah. because of Trump because he killed them with COVID. With COVID, exactly. So they went to
0: it thinking that this was true. All right, So, Russell Brand fans say he Also, I think Joe brings up a good point, not a conspiracy theory, though. Here's the thing, because if you did believe in this, if you thought maybe there was some more to the story, well, you were labeled as a crazy conspiracy theorist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You were just labeled as as a no-good-for-nothing deplorable, uneducated, Yep, white trash. White trash. That's what you That's are. That's what you were if you believed in this. So
1: this is what led me to actually do some digging on this today. Russell Brand fans say he's officially lost his mind after his latest right-wing conspiracy videos. <laughs> Russell Brand, an actor typically knows still a conspiracy to some people. Still, his is a conspiracy. Russell Brand, an actor typically known for his more liberal political opinions, is starting to lean heavily into right-wing conspiracies on his YouTube channel, leaving fans
0: flummoxed and upset. So that's what being rational and Mm -hmm. that's what being rational means. Yeah. Right. Right. Wenga. Yeah, that's
1: if you now this is like one of the most liberal left-wing guys on policy that I know of. This is the new thing that's happened. Even Joe Rogan, who's like a fan of universal basic income and and all this stuff, uh, Medicare for all. Yeah, Medicare for all, Russell Brand very left-wing on all the politics, all of those things. But if you allow yourself to have some logical conversations and just look at the facts that are laid out in front of you, unless it's economics, to look at the facts that are laid out in front of you and make a statement about it. Like, hey, this this seems like there's some stuff going on here that's maybe not in line with what the media has been saying. And you're just a right-wing conspiracy theorist. You just become a bloody right-wing bloke. Yeah, that's that's all it is. Yeah. yeah. On Tuesday, one of brand's recent YouTube videos titled Trump was right about Clinton and Russia collusion started going viral. And he claims there is serious evidence that Hillary Clinton worked with Russia to create this conspiracy. Within hours, fans flooded Twitter. At with least their her disappointment.
0: team. Yeah. It seems as if her campaign, whether it was her or not, we don't know that for sure. But it seems at least her campaign definitely had something to do with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the whole DNC, by the way.
1: And of course, they're now, uh, some of his fans are saying that, that, well, he's going broke. He hasn't been in any movies in a while, so he's just out there trying to make YouTube videos that are going to go popular. Some people are saying, well, he's got a huge divorce settlement and he's trying to make some money back for doing that. That's, they'll do anything to discredit anyone. Here's him spouting right-wing conspiracy theories on his channel. Just a few, This is a a trigger few seconds. W- trigger warning. Yep. Just so everyone knows, we do not endorse this in, uh, unhinged conversation. That's about to take place right here. The world moves so fast, there's almost no time for history. It seems like years ago that we were hearing that Trump was colluding with Russia, that he wouldn't have won the election without Russia, that his whole presidency was a kind of Putin plot. Well, there's now serious evidence that it was the Clinton campaign and Hillary Clinton acolytes that were directly involved in the generation of what has proven to be a conspiracy. Untrue. Think about how much media you watched. Me, a person. Who who I would think, broadly speaking, is from the left, a liberal, certainly not a Trump-supporting Republican, with respect to those of you that are, I find myself in awe, gobsmacked, flabbergasted, and startled by these revelations that Russiagate was a democratic conspiracy. Anyway. Startled. Now, he did say... he said that it uh, there's serious evidence that it was the clinton campaign he didn't say hillary clinton the campaign colluded he said it was the clinton campaign i
0: mean she probably did i would say that there We don't know that
1: i i would say that um there is evidence to that being the case is it serious evidence i don't know it seems to be pretty serious evidence too just remember you can't trust the media no matter what you hear just don't Just don't try to look it up. Make sure you find it from all kinds of different sources like they're not going to. They got all this from one single source who's now saying, yeah, I made it up. He's saying to the FBI now, like, yeah, I made it up, actually. I made up all that stuff. And that was the thing that triggered all this. And now they're still saying, well, but this triggered investigations that uncovered other stuff. That uncovered the idea that Russia was running social media campaigns, trying to push Trump and all that. And so we still got good stuff from it, you know. But the fact of the matter is... Listen, so the ends justify the means. <clears throat> yeah, that is the question. Yeah. And in this case, no. When you use a FISA court warrant based on faulty information, and you spy on people based on faulty information, and then you have all these stories out there about um, about Donald Trump and R. Kelly peeing on people that uh, that just end up not being true, well... Maybe maybe we all take a step back and think, hey, can we trust that their media all the time? I just don't think we can. Mm -mm. Just always do your own digging on everything and always ask yourself what the incentive structure is behind all of it. Are you hearing all this from people who are really trying to stop him from getting elected or reelected again? uh, Maybe that's the case. I didn't trust what I was seeing from Fox News on it either because they were obviously trying to make him look as good as possible. So really, just waiting for this all shake out in court through all the investigations. Now we've actually we're actually getting some people indicted on the matter, and we're talking about. We've talked about this in a year probably, but now we're actually starting to get some information on it, so we can talk about
0: it now. I would say, don't believe anyone. Yeah. don't even believe. Don't even believe your politicians. Don't believe us. I was having a conversation this weekend about, the, you know, this exact thing about how Republicans and Democrats mm-hmm. both have all of these promises that they tell you about. One of the big ones that sticks out to me on the Republican side was I, I can't get the words out of my head because of the way he said it, but the repeal and replace. Is that like a
1: racist dog whistle you're doing right there? No, this on is the video? The Trump. Oh, okay. I got you. I thought you were Repeal and Replace. Okay. Fact check. Charlie was making the uh imitating Trump's hand gesture who is making the okay supremacist authoritarian so i mean you know you draw your own conclusions there people are going to pull
0: screenshots you know who it is um the repeal and the replace repeal and replace repeal and replace guess what republicans had control from 2016 to 2018 didn't vote once on it yeah they magically stopped voting to repeal it they voted 48 times previously when they knew nothing was going to happen. they knew nothing was going to happen. Mm-hmm. So look, everyone lies to you. No one cares about you. I'm going to steal that from old Stapleton. They don't care. They don't no. care a single thing about you, actually. And so, you know, you got to take care of your own folks. You got to dig into these things and realize what's going on. And what, like they said, what the incentive behind it is. One quick thing before we get into this energy crisis. I also saw this weekend, somebody pointed out to me that, uh, you know, one of the signs of autism, or not autism, of Alzheimer's, is say, saying the same stories over and over again. So the fact that Biden keeps talking about Satchel Page and keeps telling this story over and over again in all these <laughs> speeches, I yay, you draw your own conclusions.
1: That's the best. That's the that's the best evidence that we have right there is this story about Satchel Page. Not yeah. everything else. No. Yeah, we're gonna talk about the energy crisis in, a, in an article from Forbes right here that Charlie texted to me, which you're not supposed to do. You're lucky it made it in the show. I just well, happened to remember. That you wanted me to put this in the show for Monday. You even said,
0: "Let's talk about this on Monday." You know, I used to have all kinds of other ways of communicating with you, and you're like, "Why don't you just text me?" Mm -hmm. Why do you have all these apps? Just text me. Now that I text you, you're like, "Why don't you email me?" Well, there's it's always something with me. I'll start emailing and be like, "Why didn't you send it over blockchain?" (laughs) Yeah, like because you told me to email you. Nate will come up with something else. I'm just going to keep changing the rules to not have to talk. It's your fault, not his. Mm -hmm, Okay. mm -hmm. All right. Energy crisis 2021. How bad is it and how long will it last? Now, I want to talk about this from the perspective of if you just rewind your podcast all the way back to March of 2020 and listen for a few weeks, you'll hear Nate and I continue to talk about how... You should take this thing seriously, because we were across the crusty pay lake. We weren't even in the same room together, because there were chances that this virus could be really bad, man.
1: Mm-hmm. Could
0: have a you know high chance of dying. We didn't know what was going on, but you know, also there are lots of ways people die.
1: Yeah, and and,
0: it, and we even talked about how we're now we're going to do our. I think we're going to do our best on the show to show you guys, uh, or at least try to quantify the damage that's going to be done from the policies instituted it's just getting started there's going to be long
1: term repercussions this also goes to the climate change conversation because you could want to fix all the energy and go towards clean energy but if you if that doesn't happen naturally if it doesn't happen in the right way then you could end up creating a lot of problems that could hurt a lot of people and damaging The whole infrastructure of the world. So that's really, well, maybe you're not interested in the energy crisis or how much people are producing or not producing. This all goes to bad government policies having negative, maybe unintended consequences, possibly intended sometimes.
0: Mm. All right. So from Forbes, trying to bounce, bounce back from covid and I'm going to add this in here and the response to it. It's not really COVID. The world, has run, uh, the world has run headlong into an energy crisis. This last spike of this magnitude popped the 2008 bubble. Crude oil is up 65%, so Venezuela is probably going to have a nice Christmas. Gasoline above $3 per gallon in most of the country. Is more costly than at any time since 2014 with inventories at the lowest level in five years. Meanwhile, natural gas, which provides more than 30% of all U.S. electricity and a lot of wintertime heating, has more than doubled this year. Even coal is exploding with China and India mining as fast as possible. The price of U.S. coal is up 400% this year. Mm. 400%. Fertilizer, mostly made from natural gas, has ramped past 2008 record highs to nearly a thousand dollars a ton, obliterating the 300 to 450 dollar ton range of the past few years. China announced this week it would halt fertilizer exports. By the way, you need that for your food.
1: Fertilizer is important, even if yeah. you know people who want everything to be natural and organic and all that stuff. I, I think eventually it's cool if we can all move towards that, but fertilizers. GMOs, stuff like that, all those different things that we put on our foods mm-hmm. have saved a lot of people's lives.
0: I also read somewhere that we last year only produced one third of the amount of ammonia required for fertilizer mm. for the, for the world's food production. So put that in your blunt. <laughs> <it. Okay. laughs>
1: we need to buy some fertilizer stock, <laughs> some ammonia stock, Yeah, ammonia maybe, miners. Maybe
0: need to buy some kangoo. I'm not trying to be doom and gloom here. Okay. I'm just, <clears> like, yeah. You need to look at this situation, as I said previously, and think about all the unintended or intended consequences of this and, and just take note and be prepared. That's all you can do. I'm not saying build a bunker. I'm not one of those guys, okay?
1: You probably can't afford one. It. It's made out of metal. It's, it's way just, too expensive.
0: Just be aware, is all I'm saying. Copper, perhaps the most vital raw material in building out a wind and solar industry, is near a record 450 per pound. So if you got some copper, you guys might think about selling it. <laughs> we'll have to deal with inflation after surviving the challenge of not freezing to death this winter. Only some form of government intervention that mandates large-scale power cuts and rationing of certain sectors can curb gas demand and temper gas prices materi- materially this winter, wrote uh, Amerta Sin of Energy Aspects last week.
1: That's only some form of government intervention that mandates power cuts
0: can curb the gas rationing. demand.
1: Yeah, that's that's it. That's the only answer that she sees. Mm-hmm.
0: Whom can we blame for this meth- mess? It starts with central bank banks persisting with artificially low interest rates and flood of cheap money despite record <laughs> levels of consumer spending and a 30% surge in Chinese exports, all of which is st- uh, straining against pandemic-constricted supply chains and the government's response to the mm-hmm, pandemic. Mm-hmm. Okay. But the roots go deeper. The ESG and carbon investment craze has so demonetized fossil fuels and nuclear power that institutional investors and governments have cut them out of portfolios entirely and have instead been flowing capital to more socially acceptable low-carbon alternatives. BlackRock announced last year it would no longer finance fossil fuel development, though it still owns a lot. Wall Street gurus like Jim Cramer have called the oil industry uninvestable and a perma short. But the problem is renewable energy hasn't proven sufficiently scalable to pick up the slack. In July, renewable energy sources, excluding hydropower, provided just 10% of the total electricity generation. Gas was 42%. Has it gone too far or too fast? Germans now regret shuttering their fleet of nuclear power plants over the past decade, while some Dutch are second-guessing closing down Europe's biggest gas field at Groningen. Meanwhile, North Sea was uh, gas drilling has slowed, and onshore fracking has been banned in the UK.
1: So they're doing all sorts of stuff to fix the problem, right? <laughs> it's like, what problem are you trying to solve? They're trying to solve this um, mostly fictional problem that we're all going to die from climate change. And... A 100 years, maybe 10 years, it'll be too late. I don't know what number AOC is playing out there. So they're only focusing on this one problem and what can we do to solve this problem. We'll just stop creating energy with all of these other sources. We'll ban it, actually. We're just going to ban it. Even though we don't have a backup plan, you know, we don't have an actual alternative yet. They can make some energy with it, but they can't make enough. But that doesn't matter because that's not the problem that they care about solving. It's this fictional idea that we're all going to die from a 1.5 degrees Celsius change
0: in the temperature, and we're all just going to die. So it's okay. And, and, and <clears throat> that's what they do. This net, They're negligently instituting these policies without thinking about, oh, what if we can't actually heat our homes this winter? Mm. Oops. Yeah. Oops. Forgot about that one. Sorry. Why didn't someone tell us that was important? And you know who's really going to suffer for this? It's going to be old poor people. Mm. Because the the poor are the ones that aren't going to be able to, to afford the higher energy costs that this is inev- inevitably going to uh, produce. And second, they're the ones that are most vulnerable to the, the temperature swings. Well, and the so, government's just going to pay for the higher energy costs. Of course. No yeah. problem. Yeah, because that's... That didn't lead to any of this mm. at all. No, no. We're just going to... Uh, we'll tax the rich. Yeah. That's what we'll do. We'll tax the rich to pay for this. Uh, so another guy summed it up as well as anyone. Renewables aren't ready for prime time, so instead of a smooth transition to rush to eliminate fossil fuels is causing their prices to soar and disrupting the overall supply of energy. N- yeah. Mm. We've talked about this so many times, about how if you just let the market naturally go towards... Renewable energy, which is what they've been doing, that you would have a smooth transition. And guess what? People would have heat for the winter. They would have crops to feed themselves with. And as everybody gets richer, you can start transitioning over slowly. We're talking about energy, folks. This is like the lifeblood of life. We can't even do this podcast without energy. No. Can't do it. It takes some kind of smokestack.
1: You can't have your electric vehicles without the energy. Mm-mm. Either. Can't do it. Can't do anything. But of they've it. done all these policies pushing people away from the fossil fuels without anything to come
0: up in its place. It's hard to blame big oil, accustomed to being demonetized. The industry and has been demonized. Oh, fall- uh, sorry, also demonetized, but demonized. Yeah, the industry has been falling over itself to shrink oil production and reinvest in renewables, even if it means lower margins. And to that extent, uh, and to that, the extension... I'm sorry. And to that, the existential crisis of the 2020 pandemic lockdowns, which temporarily pushed the price of oil below zero because companies ran out of storage tanks to put fuel that no one was using. Now faced with uh, traditional sources of capital gone, the majors are backing off because of political pressure. So uh, this next line right here, they're all trying to win a popularity contest. At what cost? Mm -hmm. The lives of millions literally Folks, well, we'll still just be now, their fault. Now, look, I was talking to a friend the other day. I'm like, uh, you know, is it really going to be that bad um, for America and most of the Western countries? Probably not that bad. But you're talking about some like China and India and Africa and these other places that have a lot of really poor people. Um, yeah, it's going to be really bad for them. They're not going to have any food or any energy or anything like that. It's going to be really bad for those folks. Now, do those lives matter? I, maybe I guess not.
1: I feel like I feel like if they're not American, who cares? <laughs> just kidding. Now it's still going to be bad for poor people in the U.S. though, because the energy prices are going up, and you're it, eventually maybe you can't pay the bill, or you're going to use less of it, or it, it's just like I said, they're only focusing on one problem, this perceived problem that has almost no basis for it. Is climate change a real thing? Yeah. Is it going to change the weather? Yeah. Maybe over time that's going to happen. But we can't just kill millions of people over the next decade to save millions of people from a potential perceived problem 100 years
0: from now. This is crazy, too. So could America's frackers frackers come to the rescue?
1: Look at what this guy uh, John Goff said, though. The single biggest risk on the planet is the lack of sufficient energy for everybody. Now that's not what I heard. I heard it was COVID and climate change. Mm -hmm. That's COVID and climate change. Those are the two uh, pandemics that we have going on right now.
0: facing humanity. That we're all going to die. Oh, don't worry. We're going to get into a little bit of Greta Thunberg here.
1: Yeah. This guy says the biggest risk on the planet is the lack of sufficient energy for everybody. Like, which goes to your whole point about doing the article, which is that there are other ways that people can die. There terrible ways. There's not just one way to skin a cat. Okay. Mm. Trust me.
0: A lot of different ways, you know? All right. Sorry. Grill it, fry it, (laughs) broil it, deep fry it, saute it. Cat stew, cat sushi. All right. So could the frackers come to the rescue? One might think that that's a good idea. Hey, let's reinstitute fracking, get some more oil in production, get this energy out there. Uh, Nope. Don't count on it. The industry does not trust President Joe Biden, considering that he has promised to end an end to new drilling in America. And his first acts in office included canceling pipelines and halting oil leases. Great idea. Yeah, they're trying to solve the problem, man. Great idea. Rather than encourage Americans independent oil producers, the administration has begged OPEC for more oil while threatening to halt U.S. oil exports. So there you go. Uh, Patience is not a virtue extolled by Greta Thunberg, nor featured on the agenda for the COP26 UN Climate Conference. This article came out in um, uh, October, by the way. Um, But we're at a point in the energy transition where the only real options are patience and reducing emissions while using gas as a bridge fuel or an abrupt turn towards degrowth that would slash emissions, but necessitate economic collapse and poor people freezing to death. So yeah, but at least people wouldn't die from climate change a hundred years from now. I know exactly. You know, so when you want to look at the actual motives behind what people are doing, you just ask yourself, what are they actually doing?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What what are they doing? What policies are they actually implementing? Do they actually care about saving lives? Um, and this is why I think, you know, I mean, I'll blame Trump's administration too when this whole pandemic was going on originally. Um, and, and then now the Biden administration, look, humans die a multitude of ways and the people making decisions on what we should have done in our response to a pandemic should have taken into account experts in all different fields, not just one thing, not just one thing Mm -hmm. because this is going to be, and you guys know, I mean, we're already in a massive bubble anyway, it's got to pop sometime. Um, now could never there's possible. They could do all kinds of things or whatever, but inflation's on the rise. There's going to be an energy crisis. All these things, millions of people are going to die. And it's, and we're going to, it's sad to say, but you're going to watch it play out. Now. I hope it, I'm hope I I really hope I'm wrong Mm -hmm. because I don't want millions of people to die and suffer. But when we talked about this a year and a half ago, this was the warning that we literally gave
1: And so it's not just that we've given the warning when we're talking about climate change stuff, too. And that's where I can't figure out, is this an intentional problem that's happening right now? Are these unintended consequences of, say, the pandemic response? Are these unintended unintended consequences because the supply chain problems and prices going up, inflation, all that because of the pandemic? Or was this actually part of the plan because one thing we've talked about several times is if you want to force people to go to renewable energy, then you make the fossil fuel based energy too expensive for people to afford. You make it the most expensive option and then people have to move to the other energy consumption. They have to go towards all the clean energies that you're not making too expensive. And so I feel like that's been a little bit of the plan. I'm not saying that this this is all intentional, but that they wanted to make fossil fuels too expensive the government does this all the time. They'll put taxes on something to make it too expensive for you to buy or the, to decrease the amount of people that are buying it, to disincentivize you from buying it. And they were doing that with oil as well. And so maybe they did it a little bit too much potentially, and they're going to have to drill for some oil. They're going to have, maybe the UK needs the ends, their fracking ban potentially, or are they just going to go hard and or is this what's going to happen? It's going to get so bad and we're going to act like fossil fuels aren't an option. And we're going to say, well, we just have to put more money into the clean energy. Now we've got to have the Green New Deal. Look, look at how many people are dying. We don't have the energy. We've got to put all this money into the Green New Deal because it's gotten so expensive, you know, and the pandemic cause things to go up we got issues of exports from china and they're not sending us their ammonias anymore stuff like that it's not our fault it's not our fault now we just have to respond to this very unfortunate situation that's happening right now and so we're going to have to put 10 trillion dollars into this renewable energy Uh, that way people we can subsidize the price of it we can get more wind farms and solar farms out there and we can actually get these people some energy and that's how this ends up happening then people don't trace it back to the beginning of how the problem actually started and where the problem actually started was people banning the other uses of the energy and people deciding that if you were drilling for oil, you're basically killing people. You know, maybe that's, maybe that's true. Maybe that's true a hundred years from now, potentially. I don't know, but there are problems that can come up before that. There are ways that you can go into clean energy without causing a massive energy crisis and causing the price of everything to go up four or 500% on the way there, you know, I'm, you know, I'm just just speculating. Maybe I mean, we'll talk to Joe and Norberg a little bit about that when we uh, talk to him on Wednesday. Honestly, it's just hard. That's that's too much hard thinking, man. I don't want to think that long about stuff. You're, I'm just going to be mad at um. You're mine, logically tying you
0: know. things together and all that. I just, mm-hmm. I just want to blame Trump and COVID. Yeah, and because to me, I sleep easier at night. Just blaming someone. Just knowing yeah. uh, it's it's the orange man's fault. And he's bad. And he's orange. He's bad.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, another thing here real quick. Why right now is another unintended consequence, potentially, of the government. Were they trying to do good? Was it intended? I don't really know. From Fee, and I'll put the link to the article in the show notes, why rapid COVID tests in the U.S. are harder to find and more expensive than in Europe. A new ProPublica report provides further confirmation that the federal bureaucracy not only failed to meet the public health challenge posed by SARS-CoV-2, but actively served to hamper the response. You don't say. Never heard of such a thing. That's craziness right there. That's a, Another thing that we didn't talk, we didn't talk mm, about this, no. No, no not mm. a thing. In particular, the report identifies overzealous regulation. That's what ProPublica, because they're super left-leaning, that's what they call overzealous regulation. Just we a little bit too much. don't want to say it's bad. We're yeah. S- on the part of the FDA is paramount factor in explaining the lack of rapid COVID tests. Why is this important? We've been talking about this for a while. If people are worried about transmitting COVID, if they're worried about potentially having it and going around their grandparents or people that are higher risk or going to a concert or a game or something like that, if we all just had a big old stack of tests sitting in our drawer... In our junk drawer at home, home, that we could take a test and say, "Oh well, hey, look, turns out I don't have COVID," or maybe it comes up positive. You're like, maybe that is going to dissuade you from going out in the public if you are positive with COVID. Actually,
0: for for a lot of people, for
1: most people, I think showing that you were uh, SARS-CoV-2 positive would dissuade you from going out in the public or around a bunch of high risk people. Joe's got
0: it right though. This was just it was clearly. Just overzealous mismanagementism. Mm, and that was all it was. Classic case of mismanagementism. Just a little yeah. bit of mismanagementism. Which it all, we, we, we should forgive them.
1: <laughs> it all began in early 2020. As they about, had a hard
0: job. They have to manage everything.
1: Yes. Every single thing. Could you
0: imagine being in that person's shoes, writing regulations about tests? I mean, I've got spreadsheets
1: on spreadsheets in here. i got spreadsheets that talk about other spreadsheets. Spreadsheeting. Th- that were spreadsheeting things. Yes. And I can't imagine having to manage every single product in the United States and decide whether or not it should go out onto the market
0: or not. That's it's a gotta lot. be That's a tough job.
1: Yeah. After the virus's genome was sequenced, commercial laboratories, universities, and biotech companies began developing tests that would determine to a high degree of accuracy whether
0: an individual had COVID. By the way, this was February of 2020 when this was sequenced, by the way. Mm-hmm, the Ameri- Before we got our first case in the United States.
1: The bureaucracy, however, was not having any of it. The CDC erected countless barriers such as lengthy and insurmountable approval procedures that did not take into consideration the gravity of the public health situation. In doing so, the CDC, as well as other agencies, effectively barred non-government researchers from developing COVID tests to be put out to the market. And resisting widespread testing while the pandemic was raging, the CDC made the problem far worse than it otherwise would have been. The CDC insisted, insisted on using its own testing kits, which turned out to be complex, faulty, contaminant, insubordinate, churlish, and frequently returned erroneous results. <laughs>
0: Isn't that something? Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. But they had to keep other ones off the market. Yeah. Because they weren't going to be accurate. But theirs ended up being
0: it's like, not good. You're, you're like, oh, which test is this? Oh, you don't want to use that test. <laughs> well, what's it do? Well, this one actually tells you <laughs> if you have COVID or not. So you don't want to use that. Well,
1: it's one. gonna be way off. It's eighty-five percent accurate. But it's gonna be really expensive, right? It's five dollars. Yeah. Uh, it kinda sounds like I do want that test, man. No, you don't want it. You want arms. <laughs> Look. It takes a really long time, right? It takes 15 minutes. <laughs> <sighs> okay. All right. Where are fast forward to today, nearly two years later, and we can see that many of the same bureaucratic inefficiencies have been allowed to persist. Where are the tests? said the New York Times recently, where indeed they have been mired into the labyrinth of the vast bureaucratic state. Regulatory delays and the associated feet dragging are literally life threatening as the cases of pharmaceutical drugs and COVID vaccines show. So <laughs> We got an old story from a company that we traded a while back. I won't mention them anymore, okay? But I remember being so excited about this company, saying that they have 15 minute tests. PR and, PRPO. Yeah. I still so remember. I was trying to talk about PRPO anymore. Yeah. It wasn't that it was like, oh, this is the best company I've ever seen. I remember seeing it and thinking, wow, this is a life-changing thing that this company has these 15-minute tests, and they say they're gonna be like five dollars or ten dollars if people can take tests anytime they want to go somewhere before they're around anyone, this is going to change the whole game. We won't have to lock everything down. You're telling me this could actually slow the spread? Yeah, actually slowing the spread of this thing. In addition to distributing faulty tests and blocking competing COVID tests from private laboratories and charitable organizations, Lawrence McQuillan of the Independent Institute writes that the federal government sidelined antigen testing in favor of PCR tests. So although the accuracy of PCR tests is better, they are practically useless to contain the spread of the disease because obtaining results takes too long. So this is the difference. Would you rather have a 90% accurate test that you get back in three days or two weeks from the CDC? Or would you rather have an 80% accurate test that you can get back in 15 minutes? Which one would you rather have? If you're going to try to slow the spread and you're in the middle of a pandemic where millions of people are getting some? I don't know. By contrast, Antigen tests could be made available over the counter and individuals could use them to determine whether it would be safe to go to their workplace or attend certain events. There's another issue that I know they don't, I know was influencing their decisions, which is that they wanted the numbers. They wanted to be able to look at the numbers and say, this is how many we have positive. Here's the reason that we need to do all this stuff. If people were testing at home, then they wouldn't have the numbers of how many people were positive anymore. They wouldn't be able to talk about it all the time. They wouldn't be able to use it to drive policy.
0: All right. Again, it's not actually about saving lives.
1: Yeah. No, it's not. In lieu of rapid testing, governments decided to implement lockdowns and other interventions which carry significant economic and public health costs of their own. Someone with the sniffles or flu-like symptoms, we just talked about this, uh, could be should be allowed to use antigen tests to determine whether they are currently infected with the virus. No need to go to the clinic and wait days for it. You just take the test, which a lot of us do now. There's actually a COVID test sitting in one of the drawers in there. Mm-hmm. you know, the, It's a thing you can do now, although I saw 2.2 million of them were just recalled because of false positives, uh, I think, last week or the week before. Not By the way, not because of 2.2 million false positives, but there were 35 false positives and they recalled 2.2 million of them, just to say that accurately. But anyway, the problem becomes clearer and more revealing when viewed in comparison with other nations. Uh, ProPublica noted that in Western European nations like the UK, France, Germany, Netherlands, Belgium, to name five, at-home tests are ubiquitous and as cheap as a decent cappuccino. The United States, on the other hand, has stymied progress by subjecting laboratories or laboratories and researchers to onerous requirements. Uh, They tell a story about one of the companies who tried to do this. And now they also bring in a drug here at the end of the article, the Molnupiravir from Merck. The UK has approved it. That one that said it could reduce the severity by like 89% of deaths and hospitalization. Um, the U.S. has still not done this, and some doctors at Johns Hopkins are saying that it should be approved under compassionate use, at least in you know, the compassionate use where there's something that's not approved, but maybe you're going to die or something, or you're worried about that, and you can take a drug that hasn't been approved. So anyway, this is um, they, you know, we cut a lot out of the article, so I'll put the link to Fee in here, but. This is something that could have changed the whole game. It could have changed everything. It could have changed the energy conversation that we just had. Well, know? and so
0: this is, I was having this conversation this weekend too. The number one reason I think that a lot of people are anti-vaccine right now is because they just don't trust the government. Mm-hmm. They don't trust the CDC. They don't trust the, the FDA. They don't. And And many people on the left were the same way up until November 5th of 2020. About big pharma about big pharma everybody Mm -hmm. there's no trust in these institutions i was having a conversation today about why cryptocurrency is so popular because there's no trust in banks and all of the especially the tyrannical governments around the world but even our own tyrannical government where people are moving their assets into uh, decentralized locations where they feel secure but also not watched over um, and so you're seeing this gigantic culture uh, culture shift, I think, all across humanity. It's, I don't think it extends beyond just culture. I think it's a human-wide thing, which gives me some encouragement, by the way, uh, that the market is coming up with things uh, for us to give a big middle finger to these massive institutions like governments um, and big corporations and banks and things like that that are Using government use mainly for power and stuff like that, which we disagree with, by the way, uh, even though we think they should get tax breaks because we hate taxation. It doesn't mean <laughs> that we don't think the institutions aren't causing any kinds of problems. So I, I'm, I'm actually encouraged by the market coming up with these types of things and also for people to recognize these types of things. and And this all of this stuff, it was, you know, all the the red tape and regulations, first of all, that they cut back to allow hospitals to, you know, get more licensed beds overnight and all of these things. But then also all the regulations they added to all this testing and made it so difficult. And then it was wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. You don't need a mask. Now you need a mask. Now you need seven masks. We weren't doing gain of function research. We are doing gain of function research. We aren't doing it, but now we might, (laughs) now we might be doing it, but I think we're doing it. And do you go in for like, the ass out shot, you know, because <laughs> like, like where you you're getting want, the
1: shot, but you're, yeah,
0: you don't really want the shot, but you're getting the shot. And it's this whole thing. Yeah. Right. And, and so, I'm just wondering, like, are we going to get hopped up enough to have some liberty and freedom? Exactly. Over here. That's all we're you wondering. Know? And okay. so this is what all of this leads to. And, and you wonder why. Of course, now it's, it's become, you know, political where you're on one team or the other. And apparently I'm on the dark side because I got vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're but sheep, exactly. Sheep I'm just Charlie, but I still to this day, like, if you look, there's a reason why all the rich people and all the politicians are vaccinated. It's because it's safe, okay? Otherwise they wouldn't be. Or maybe um, they're not. You know, they're just faking it.
1: <laughs> Sorry, I don't actually
0: mean that. I just wanted to put that up it's, as a it's as an option. It's possible they could yeah. be. They could don't be cancel faking. us. They could be faking it. I, you, you have no idea. Don't raid my house in the middle of the I night. I mean, Trump <laughs> admits to being vaccinated. It's possible he could be faking that, too. I don't know. Um, and so I still think it, it's it's better to be vaccinated than it is not to be. How do you work but everything into this conversation? But I don't. It's, because I'm explaining why I I... I empathize like, with people who don't want was to be your vaccinated. arm itching or something like
1: where you just you're like, oh,
0: here's oh. what I think. And would, as I talked about, here's it, what like I think the, would happen. the itch stopped. We wouldn't even be having this conversation about vaccinations if all of this distrust and, and mismanagementism didn't go on. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, I think most people would have gotten the shot. Yeah. If, if they would have trusted the information that they were getting.
1: But d- You can't. I think if. And that's the problem. I think a lot of this goes back to Fauci constantly lying about stuff and people finding that out. I'm not saying that he was like uh, trying to harm people or do anything, but they're obviously, they lie to you for your own good. And people don't like that. They don't like being treated like a child. And that's what the CDC. And the WHO and everyone, the FDA does all the time. They treat you like a child, and they lie to you about the mask because they think, you know, they can do it. They told you you didn't have to wear a mask, and turns out they were only saying that because they didn't want people to run out and grab all the masks, and then you have to wear it, and then the vaccines are going to keep you from spreading, and then they aren't going to keep you from spreading it. And they've been lying over and over again this whole time, and now no one trusts it anymore. I think you're right about that. If it weren't for the major distrust and the politicization of this, it would be a lot... Listen, that's the only reason I haven't gotten the darn thing, is I don't like I don't like it when people tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. If they weren't telling me what to do, if like they weren't pushing this as their number one thing all the time, I probably would have gotten it by now. I guess I don't know. So yeah, I would have. Just to make my life easier, since I can't go anywhere, you might still have all your hair. I might have my hair. Okay, listen, kids, you lose your hair. Sometimes if you get the, if you get the covid's mm-hmm. that's the number one argument someone would have put that on a billboard heck i've been right there in line you know but you can't trust them anymore and like you were saying going back to the original point of the conversation is the culture actually moving towards a distrust of the system are they realizing that you can't trust government in general you can't trust people with power or are are they just moving towards you can't trust the current people with power or you can't trust the billionaires, because they have this power, you, I think there's a shift you know? across
0: humanity, honestly, if you look at that's what I'm encouraged by with with blockchain and all this decentralization, I think people are a lot of people are moving more towards decentralization because they realize that as Marxist as they are, that it won't actually work because to be part the the power is always going to control the centralized places.
1: I just wonder so if how their you- guy got in power, if they really care about that. Like a Bernie, we're picking the people that were on the Fed then would they want to... If, they probably wouldn't.
0: That, I mean, but That
1: conversation goes back to like the Ron Paul movement. Was the Ron Paul movement really because people wanted freedom and liberty and they cared about all, all, all that or is it because he harnessed the people that were mad about the Wall Street bailouts? He actually got a lot of people that were mad that a bunch of rich people got given money by the government. Now the arguments he's making is that the government doesn't need to be taking your money and giving it to other people. What a lot of Bernie bros would hear is these evil rich people are using their influence inside the Government, then they're taking my money and they're taking it for themselves. They're making arguments on different philosophical bases right there, and I think that's why you saw a lot of the Ron Paul people go over to the Bernie Bros. And so I hope that you're right about it being a culture shift that people are going to keep the the distrust in this. um, But I'm I still worry that they think if their people were in charge that they would be okay. That's kind of, uh, but uh, that's just me. According to me the live group
0: happening right now, Biden signs infrastructure package into law. Mm, great. While well, everyone is distracted by the Rittenhouse trial. <laughs> <laughs>
1: great. Great.
0: So there's, what was that? 1.7 trillion, 2.1 trillion. I don't no, remember. the 1. Uh, 1. 1.2 trillion. Oh, What's just, just point, a little, Yeah,
1: just just one a point. little piddly, mm-hmm. but I'm surprised it even made a news story. You so, know, well, why don't we, uh, we could probably wrap it up cause we're it's at 410 right now and I still got a I still got to edit this thing and bounce it out. Wrap it up. Wrap up this thing.
0: All right, y'all. If you enjoyed today's show, which I know that you did, you love the personal stories, all <laughs> the little, you know, inside jokes that Nate and I have. If you get them, you get them. If you don't, you don't. That's that's your fault, not mine. So
1: we talked, we quoted in YouTube videos. You pulled in some wedding crashers sure during did. that sometime. Sure time. as hell did. There was another one earlier. I can't remember what it was. I think we brought a
0: few couple, Talladega Nights. couple
1: movies and some YouTube videos mm. into this one.
0: <laughs> Listen, you're welcome, America. You're welcome, America. Sign up. Sign up for the show, okay? Hit that follow or uh, subscribe button, whatever it is. Share it with a friend and a foe and the children. If you guys do all of those things, and I mean all of it, right now, then we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning Liberty.